Good morning and welcome. You've got Dustin and Sarah here in the studio this morning, A1 Custom Car Care. We're going to talk about some of the things that we're all going to go through as the seasons change. But before we do, Sarah, I got something. It's a recall out here. Uh oh. And I, I didn't I intentionally didn't tell you before the show because I wanted to get your genuine reaction. It's not for my car, is it? It is not. <laughs> okay, good. So this is any folks out there that have a twenty twenty through twenty twenty two smaller GM SUVs, which would be the Buick Encore, Chevy Trailblazer, and any like uh, small, mid to compact SUVs. They're recalling the emergency jack, just in case you get a spare tire. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. In case you need to use your spare tire, you have a flat tire. The jack is made out of plastic. Okay. And it is an emergency jack. And I'm like, who signed off? On a jack that lifts your car in an emergency situation at General Motors being made from plastic. Yeah, I don't think that that would uh, work very well. uh, So have you ever had the pleasure of changing a tire on the side of the road, Sarah? I've never changed one on the side of the road, but I have changed a tire with a jack, and they are not fun. They're not. And I've used the ones that are like the pump-up ones, the heavy metal ones. Yeah, it is. It's a it's a job. Mm-hmm. And this one here is a scissor design, so it's got a bolt that runs through it, and you tighten the right. bolt up, and it lifts up the car. Well, anytime I stop and change a tire, usually it's on the side of the road. It's uneven. You know, it's in the gravel or dirt or grass or wherever. And plastic is not what I want to be relying on. I was like, when I read this, and there's over 135,000 uh, vehicles out there, so Yikes. if you're one of those, you need to get back in there. But, you know, and plastic has come a long way. There's a lot of car parts that are made out of plastic. Um, it, it's weight reduction mainly for fuel economy. It's I'm sure it's more cost effective, I would imagine, than, than metal. But the emergency jack is definitely not the place I think that that should be, like, acceptable. Yeah. I, I sure don't want to rely on that. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, so it was crazy. So if you're out there, GM's going through the recall. Thankfully, and this is a silver lining, I'd like to be somewhat optimistic. You know, had it been in normal times, that 130,000 number would have been much, much higher. Yeah. But because they're not releasing a lot of cars, it's it's not been a big thing. So I just wanted to put that out there. I thought it was entertaining. There's some photos out there on the Internet if you should show choose to uh, want to look at them. But there's some that have broken. And, and cause some. I'll see if damage. I can find some. I'll link them to the podcast. Yeah, it just, you know, I get it. They're trying to save money, co- you know, cost and, and weight, but that somebody should have had some common sense there. Like if it had rolled across, like say A1 Custom was making this decision, uh, obviously we're not. Um, but had that rolled across any of our desks, we'd have been like, no, there's no way plastic is where you want to use uh, for an emergency roadside jack. It's just insane. So definitely something out there to think about. I'm a big fan of actually upgrading my jack. Usually I actually keep a, uh, they make a little MVP small floor jack. I carry in on most of our cars. Um, and as well as if you buy a used car, you should check and make sure it has a jack in there. Because a lot of times people will use it and not put it back. And then you buy the car later and then you don't have it. My last car that I had before this one, mm-hmm. it didn't come with a jack, but it came with a like 
little tire pump yep. thing yep. and then a can of fix a fix flat. A flat. Yep. That's a pretty common thing. Um, my sister, her and I were talking and she actually had some input for our seasonal car care tips. So oh, awesome. I'll make sure and, and share those with everybody as long as well as all of your notes over there. But she's got a 2020 Fusion, I think, and it does not come with a spare. It comes with fix-a-flat and I think a, and a small 12-volt air compressor. I feel like if you're paying that much money for yeah. either a brand new vehicle or a pre-owned, yeah. it should come with some type of spare. You would think. And, you know, God forbid you need it on the side. This is kind of like insurance. You know, you, mm-hmm. you, you have it, but you hope to never use it. But if you need to use it, you I mean, you better hope that it actually works. And gets you out of a jam. So I know we talked quite a bit about that. What do we want uh, as far as seasonal tips? I see you've got some some notes over there. Yeah, I came up with a car maintenance fall checklist. Very cool. For me. And I thought, hey, let's see how well I can... Yeah. Uh, come up with a fall checklist and wanted to go over it with you. You know, the first day of fall was September 22nd. Was it really? It was, yep. Now, are you a fall guy? Yeah, I definitely, I I like the fall weather. I love the season change. I do a lot of stuff outside, so I do it all year long. But the fall is just like, oh, you can get out, you can split wood, cut wood, and not sweat to death. And you're not freezing, you know, in the middle of winter. So what about you? Are you a fall fan? Fall is my favorite season. It's your season, It's just, I don't know. There's something about the the crisp air. There's like Mm -hmm. electricity in the air. I love fall. So I'm one of those people. I like to go to corn mazes, haunted houses, the pumpkin patch, all of the uh, typical fall events. So I am definitely driving around a whole lot more on the weekends because I love to do those things before it gets too terribly cold. Yeah. So I wanted to do this fall checklist and I would much rather talk about this um, season per season Mm because I know that we do uh, like a checklist every season. And I know that sometimes it can be like repetitive. Oh, yeah. But I would much rather do this every time the season changes versus somebody um, forgetting to do something and breaking down on the side of the road. I think that's such a great point. And and a lot of times the reason that we do cover these topics a lot is I see a lot of these same things happen as the seasons change. And a lot of those breakdowns or failures can be avoided. And if, you know, we can talk about this on air and maybe somebody, you know, saves them from being broke down I think it's absolutely worth it out there. Yeah, I think so. So let's go ahead and get into it. The number one thing that I want to get checked, first and foremost, is my heater and my defroster. Yes. I want to make sure that they are working properly, especially for me leaving earlier in the morning. I deal with a lot of fog and my windows are always fogged up when I'm leaving for work. And so I definitely need to get out there earlier in the morning and defog them. But I want to make sure that I can first. Yeah. So something, and maybe you know this, maybe not, but a lot of folks don't know that your air conditioning runs when you have the heat on in defrost in order to blow a a nice dry hot air on there to fight that condensation. I don't know, you may have, have you ever driven a vehicle that didn't have air conditioning? Uh, Ryan's vehicle. Uh, Okay. So Ryan, when he goes out and is leaving for whatever, um, He's actually blowing, you know, warm and has has ox- or has water content in it, and so his will will condensate worse. Ugh. 
during those conditions where you're fighting it and and, and that defroster's you know working its butt off, he's going to actually bl- be blowing hot or warm air on there, and it's going to condensate even worse on his. So, oh, poor guy. Yeah, that's something a lot of folks don't know, that your AC doesn't only run through the summer. It does run in, in the defrost function through winter as well. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of important. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Most people don't think about it. Number two, I want you guys, next time I come in, mm-hmm. to check my wipers for me. Yes. I feel like uh, I don't remember the last time I got my wipers checked, mm-hmm. so it's probably time yeah. for me to do so. Plus, you use the wipers a whole lot more. I feel like um, fall and spring are your most mm-hmm. um, rainy seasons, so I don't want to get stuck in the middle of the rain or like that foggy mist. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get stuck without uh, good wipers for that. I think they take a beating this time of year into winter a lot more mm-hmm. as well. So, you know, when you and I'm the world's worst, but, you know, I don't I won't scrape my windows unless I have to. I normally warm my truck up, but if I don't, I run even when you get the, the frost on the window, I run the wipers and the windshield washer fluid to get all the which is bad. I'm telling on myself. It does work, and it's effective, even though it's not great on the wipers, but it kills the wipers much more. And then I don't ever notice that I need wipers until I get in a bad rain. or yeah. Right. And then I'm like, oh, why didn't I put some on there? So are you a Rain-X or Aqua? I think it's Aqua Shed, Aqua. There's another one out there, a competitor to Rain-X. Um, do you run any additives or do any water beating on your windshield at all? Um, you know, occasionally I will. I haven't done it for a long time, though. So I am a huge fan of Aquapel. That's the other one. Um, so back in the day, you had to, you know, basically apply it to a clean window and then buff it in there. There was a lot of elbow grease in doing that process. I'm, you know, as I've gotten older and <laughs> I guess lazier, they make an additive that you can put in your windshield washing fluid. So every time you use it, it applies a fresh coat to your windshield, and I'm a fan. I think you can get it for less than 10 bucks for a big bottle. Um, you add it just to your existing washer fluid or, or as you refill it. I think you can buy the Rain-X brand, and it comes with it in there, but that's a huge, huge benefit. And every time I get in a crazy heavy rainstorm or even some of that fog, um, or condensation on the window, it helps to repel all that off there. So that's just kind of a friendly tip out there. It's well worth the money, and, and I definitely say that that'd be a good addition to your winter car care or fall car care package. I've got it wrote down. Yeah. It's on the it's on the list of awesome. things I need. It makes a difference. We got plenty more to talk about. We're going to run through the rest of Sarah's list, and I'll kind of put my two cents in after the break. All right, welcome back. We've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. We're going through Sarah's, I guess, uh, fall, what would we call this? Like a fall maintenance checklist. There you go. I like it. Yeah. We went through several already. What do you got now? What's your next one out there? Well, I want to make sure that I have things in my car that I don't have in there right now, Mm -hmm. like a blanket, jacket, ice scraper, jumper cables, all of that. Mm -hmm. And I know for a fact that I don't have jumper cables in my car right now. And I don't think I have an ice scraper. I, I I always take mine out through the winter or through the summer, I guess. And I always forget to put it back in there until we yeah. get that, till I need it, basically. 
So that's definitely a great one. Um, have I ever shown you those small booster or jump packs that I carry around? Well, I actually have an arrow to my jumper cable section. Uh-huh. And I wrote jumper cables, specific type to look for, question mark, question mark. So I am uh, jumper cables forever. I have always been a fan, and there still is a time and a place for them. However, with all the electronics that are on vehicles, and I've seen it happen, you know, people jump the car wrong, or you get a power surge in there, and then you've got all kinds of electrical gremlins that i got to figure out, and that all takes time, and time is money. So they make, and some of them are less than a hundred bucks. Some of them, I mean, they can be three, four hundred, but they've got really good, and they're called anti gravity batteries. And I'll bring one in and show it to you. Okay. Um, but basically, it is a small um, lithium ion capacitive battery that can generate sometimes up to over a thousand cold cranking amps. That is very handy. You cannot hook them up backwards. So even if maybe you don't aren't familiar with it. Um, it won't allow you to do it wrong. You hook it up, and it will start your car multiple times from a completely dead battery, and you don't have to worry about a power surge from an un-pure, um, from a donor vehicle, basically. So pretty much like almost everybody I know that calls me when they're broke down, I give them one for Christmas because I. it's not that I don't want to come help them, but if I can save them while they're out somewhere away, if they're... Even if it's going to take me 40 minutes to get to them, I've got a lot of family in the Aurora, Marionville area. Um, if I can just talk them through it or they, I've trained them on it and they can hook it up and get it to me, then boom, that's a win for me and them. And being prepared is a big kind of philosophy, at least in, in my world. And that is something we definitely need to see if, what we can do to add that to your uh, your arsenal. If you yeah, will. I need that. You'll be proud of me. Oh, of course. I have started making like a little emergency nice. kit in I the back it. of my so car. So excited. Well, I think you'll be excited, but it's also kind of pitiful looking. Uh, you got to start somewhere. Yep. So I got a gas can. Yes. No, of course, no gas in it right, right. now, but it's a little teeny tiny mm-hmm. one. I think it holds like two gallons. Yeah. It was like five bucks. It was yeah. on clearance, actually. Score and I'm like, yes. And a deal. So I got that. And then I have a toolbox in there, but I don't have any tools yet. Okay. But hey, I've got the toolbox. That's right. We got to start somewhere. <laughs> Step one. This is awesome. Yeah, I know. I thought, boy, he'll be really proud of me. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, speaking of uh, jumper cables mm-hmm. and all of that, I think I probably need to have my battery checked and make yes. sure that it is A-OK. Mm-hmm. I know that batteries die a lot more with the cooler weather. There's a bigger demand. The colder it gets, the more resistant, and I'm going to get a little like down in the weeds here, but just bear with me, but the, the more resistant that the engine is to rotate when it's cold. So all the fluids are thicker, the tolerances are tighter, and so there's a more um, higher demand that is asked from the battery to initially start that engine up. So a lot of times people don't notice that their battery is bad until this time of year because it's stressed to the max trying to start a cold engine. Okay, that Good makes call. sense. Good call. Good call. Oh, look at me. Yeah, I'm learning. You got this. I know. Okay, now number five, mm-hmm. I've got two sections of it. Okay. So 5A, I need to get my tire pressure checked because I know that that's another thing that goes down yep. and up and down with cooler weather. It kind of expands in contrast Yep. Um, as the day warms up and cools down and that can really lead to 
pressure problems. Oh, yeah. So that my sister had was texting me about it for that same reason. We got that cold day, I think, last week or mm-hmm. cooler. And her her she's she felt the car driving different. She's like, yeah, this is this is low tires. And then about that same time, her tire pressure monitor light came on. And a lot of times that's kind of a funny light. It looks like a, a upside down horseshoe. Mm-hmm. And it's essentially a tire that has got bulged sidewalls is what that image is. It usually doesn't say TPMS, but that stands for Tire Pressure Monitoring System. And her light come on almost immediately. So she went to a full-service station in Aurora. There still is one that exists, Jim Carr's out there. And they aired her tires up. The guy, I guess, was super great, very gracious, and took good care of her, which I appreciate greatly. And so she immediately texts me. She's like, you and Sarah have to talk about this on the radio. <laughs> and so I assured her I would. So I love it that it's on your list. Oh, but good. yes, that is a normal thing as ambient temperature or just the outside temperature goes down, the tire pressure goes down as well. It condenses. And so a lot of times we've got to do, and it's nothing bad with the tires. You know, it's not that, hey, you need new tires or whatever, but we need to bump the air up. Um, another kind of like, I guess, trick of the trade is, and you you need to know what you're doing, so don't do it if you're not comfortable with this, but if you're in slick conditions and you have to drive, um, you can lower the air pressure in the tire just a little bit. So say your car should be about a 32 PSI. Mm -hmm. If, like, you've got to go home and you have no other, um, you know, way to get home and say it starts to get slick out there, what I would do is, you know, remove maybe 5 to 7, 10 PSI of air out of all the tires, and that allows the tires to be a little more grippy on slick conditions out there. So it's kind of a trick of the trade. Obviously, when it uh, the road gets back to normal, you need to air the tires up and you want to keep the speed down as much as possible. Um, but that's definitely an old trick, an old-timer's trick that uh, has served me very well over the years. I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. 5B. 5B. It kind of goes I like it. alongside that. So I want to make sure that my tires are in good shape mm-hmm. and not in need of new ones. And kind of going off of what you were saying with the um, the slicker conditions, mm-hmm. since I live out in the country now, that is something I'm paranoid about because yeah. I leave so early for work to begin with. I'll have to leave earlier. Mm-hmm. But I was going to ask if there is a specific tire that you would suggest for like slicker weather yeah. for my specific vehicle for front wheel drive. Definitely. And this would go for pretty much everybody out there. Um, they have highway tread patterns. They have all season patterns. And then they have a mud and snow and all season. So that mud and snow and all season is definitely what I would recommend for you. It'll give you good um, watershed, which is important. And that's where the tire has the ability to drive the water out from under the tire. That keeps you from hydroplaning is, is the big thing there. But the mud and snow is going to be a little bit, it's going to have an aggressive pattern in the tire. It's amazing what they can do as a versatile tire. But yeah, the all-season mud and snow is what I would definitely recommend in your case. Um, if you were just still in town and as a student years ago, um, I probably wouldn't have gone with that. I would have gone more towards a highway tread because you're not. Um, but kind of as things change and, and, and as you get outside of town, that's going to help you out a bunch long term. The other thing that I'm going to look at is all tires have a wear bar on them. It's in the tread. If you look in the valley or in between the treads, you'll see a little bump. 
and it's every so often there's multiple ones around the tire but they you know the old i don't know maybe you ever heard it sarah the i think it was a penny you would put abe lincoln in there yeah Uh, they basically built that into a tire is what they did and that wear bar is essentially the height of lincoln's head so you can look at your tires and then the date code on the tire so everybody out there for the last 10 or 20 years when they build a tire there's a four digit um it's under a raised oval and it'll have um the week that it was made and the year that it was made so it may say 5114 and that'd be the 51st week of 2014 and so six to eight years regardless of tread uh depth is when i say hey we need to start thinking about a tire because that rubber is drying out and you have more risk of a hard tire that doesn't get good traction and a blowout tire. So I'm getting way down deep in the weeds here, but that makes a huge difference of what tire we recommend going forward on what you're going to use it for. Okay, good. Well, I haven't went and got my tires yet. I know that last yep. week that we had talked about it, it's on my list. I no, know. no worries. No I worries. Know. We're I'm all busy. I get it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to call. <laughs> Right after the show. (laughs) Um, And then my final thing that I had on my list, Mm -hmm. I will tell it to you and then we'll have to take a quick break. for sure. But I definitely need to make sure that my fluids are checked and changed to make sure that I am ready for the fall season. Absolutely. I think that's a good stopping point because I'll be long-winded on this one. (laughs) We'll be right back. I got the windows down, no one else around singing. All right, welcome back. We've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care, giving our winter thoughts, I guess, or fall thoughts. Um, you had a topic. We're going to get into fluids. Yes. So I know that there's a bunch of them that need to be checked and changed. And I thought, I'm just going to lump these all together and then let you talk about <laughs> Let me run with yep. it. <laughs> so everybody knows you got to change your oil for the most part, especially hybrids. And I know you might think, oh, I'm crazy for bringing this up. I've seen folks that have a hybrid electric vehicle, which has got an internal combustion engine and an electric motor generator. I've seen a lot of those where people will go way crazy amounts of time and not change your oil. you still got to change your oil. I think that's a basic one. Everybody's conditioned. When you get your first car keys, somebody said, hey, you got to change your oil. The rest of them, you typically, unfortunately, most folks don't realize that there's a shelf life on them until something fails and breaks down. So some of the first signs of that, um, power steering, if you still have a hydraulic power steering, the reason I say that, I think, Sarah, yours is probably electric, so you don't have power steering fluid, best I remember, in yours. However, Ryan's definitely does, and you're going to have to change that out. When you don't change it out soon enough, as the temperature starts to decline, a lot of times the first sign of it needing attention is you start the car up and it has a significant whining noise. And I don't know how else to describe it other than the car goes, and uh, then you know that you've got some degraded fluid, you have a low condition or air in the fluid. And I see that and we treat those symptoms a bunch this time of year on into Um, You know, probably December when we really start to get some, you know, freezing temperatures. And the longer you drive it like that, the more damage happens to that hydraulic system. So power steering pump, you will kill it. 
rack and pinion or steering gear, depending on what it is you're driving, you will damage it. If you have a hydroboost system, which would be your bigger trucks, three-quarter ton and one ton, a lot of times the assist for your braking system is driven off the power steering pump, um, you can damage it as well. So it's always cheaper to maintain or you know change that fluid out, get that system checked before it starts to self-destruct because that's exactly what happens. It, it basically ruptures or it, it explodes from the inside out and pushes metal throughout that whole system and damages many parts that could have continued giving a good service life if you had changed or serviced that fluid earlier before it you know, went ahead and, and uh, basically self-destructed. So the one that everybody's probably going to touch on the most is going to be coolant, your, your freezing point. And I strongly urge you to get the system in, get it checked. If you're able to do it yourself, fine. I not only want to know what the freezing point is, but I want to know the acidity of the coolant itself. And, you know, roughly, and it depends manufacturers, really two to four years um, on most systems. Some of them will go longer than that if it's a DexCool-based system. You need to have that changed out in a regular basis, not necessarily because the freezing point's gone, but the coolant turns acidic the longer it's in the system, and it starts eating components. So I, I've seen it eat uh, impellers, which would be the fins off the water pump. Um, starts head gasket area, heater cores, radiators, all the softer metal. It will eat those uh, components up, and then you have those breakdown and failures when a coolant exchange could have fixed that or prevented it, if you will, before you get to those points as well. Something I probably should touch on, I usually see two or three cars a year, so it's not a lot. But when I do see it, it's a big expense is somebody will have a coolant leak or a coolant problem throughout the summer months and they will add water, water only, to the radiator or overflow tank. And water's fine if you're in a climate that doesn't freeze. But if you forget about it and you don't get to it quick enough, I have seen it cause some significant damage. Some of the worst ones, I put an engine in a Chevy pickup, a a few years back that had it actually cracked the block. Um, they have expansion and freeze plugs. I'm sure a lot of you out there, well, what about the freeze plugs? Um, the freeze plugs will allow some uh, room for expansion should it, show, should it so freeze. But mainly those freeze plugs are located and, and utilized for the manufacturing process. Um, those freeze plugs are located in there for the milling and, and how that block is made. And then if it does freeze, it expands and pushes one out. Even putting a, a repairing or replacing a freeze plug, that's not a cheap venture normally, let alone should it not be enough and it crack the engine block. Um, you know, anybody out there listening right now to have an engine replacement in about anything is going to be somewhere in the 3500 to $9,500 range. You know, the days when I, you know, first got in the industry, I mean, you could get an engine put in for, you know, a thousand bucks, 1500 bucks. Um, the cars have gotten so much more technical that it's not a one size fits all engine. And what I mean by that is, <clears throat> you know, for years, any of your domestic vehicles, they put that engine platform in for several years, 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 and didn't change anything. 
and they put it in many makes and models, as well as the uh, ability to get a remanufactured, even a used unit, was pretty reasonable. With the great chip shortage of 2020, I guess, 2019, the used market, it's crazy. You call around for a used engine anywhere right now, I mean, it's a few thousand bucks just to get a used engine, and that's not installed. And that doesn't include any of the dressing that it's going to need for it to be installed correctly. Hoses, thermostat, water pump, that kind of stuff to ensure a good quality uh, to get you many miles out of an engine replacement. We're not a big used engine facility. We do a few a year under special circumstances. Normally we use a remanufactured engine, which is a really good long-term solution, and I can stand behind it for the next three years or 100,000 miles. It makes a big, big difference. As we continue down that thought, if you do put water in the cooling system, you got to make sure and get it all out. And that's not just good enough to drain the radiator and fill it back up, as well as these new coolants don't deal well with high mineral-based water, which would be tap water, whether you live on a well or in town. Um, you need a distilled water to go with it so it doesn't contaminate the coolant. If you put something that is not distilled in there, and actually there's a chemical reaction we had a great question a few weeks ago um, to where the coolants had been mixed and caused this jelly or gelatin uh, goo. And I realize that's not a super scientific term, but that's what it looks like. It looks like slime in the cooling system because they didn't know or, or weren't aware that you cannot mix those coolants. So you need to get the system completely empty. You need to get a good 50-50 coolant or a concentrate coolant and make sure that you use distilled water to make your mixture. Um, typically, I like the distilled clean 50-50 coolant. That's what we stock. Um, we stock a Valvoline Max Life with AluGuard, which makes it compatible and fights that corrosion or chemical reaction, if you will, to make sure that you're in good shape long term and that you get hundreds of thousands of miles out of that vehicle because it was cared for correctly. So some of the other ones that really I think are neglected a lot, they're my, my number one neglected, um, is transmission, transfer case if it's a four-wheel drive or all-wheel drive application, and rear differential. So all those systems, typically people don't service them until they break, which is very expensive at that point. So as a company, A1 Custom tries to make sure that we do a vitals inspection. That's kind of what we do differently than a lot of facilities. And it's it's kind of the same as when you go into any doctor's appointment. They check your heartbeat. They check your pulse. They check your oxygen content, your height, your weight, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to look at it a little differently in the car side of the, the I guess, doctor world, if you will. Um, we're going to look at the condition of all the fluids in there. So it'd be kind of like getting some blood work done. So we're going to look at and take a fluid tray or fluid sample of most, if not all, your fluids. The reason I say that is some of the transmissions are sealed. And in order to service those, we do those on a mileage interval. But other than that, when you come in, and if you want this done, please call one of the stores and we'll be happy to schedule your appointment. Make sure you tell them you want a vitals inspection. 
And we will pull a sample of all the fluids out there and we'll give you a compare and contrast. Hey, this is what it's supposed to be and look like, coloration, texture, free of debris, and this is what yours looks like. We need to be proactive so you don't have the differential failure, transmission failure, transfer case, etc., etc., etc. And that makes a big, big difference. So if you will change your fluids... It's amazing the life expectancy you can get out of those same components. And I'll give you some prime examples. Had a great customer. He's now since moved across country. I I believe maybe he's coming back around here, hopefully. He stops by as he comes back through. But he had a, uh, him and three of his friends went out and bought some of the last 7.3 turbo diesels that were manufactured out there. Beautiful trucks. I love those trucks. And... Both of his other friends ended up having to put transmissions in them at 100, 150, 200,000 miles. And best I know, he had quite a few more miles on that, and he had never put a transmission in it. But every 30,000 miles, he would come in, we would pull the pan, we'd put a filter in it, we'd change the system, and that trans- he never had a transmission failure. And I can give you story after story after story. If you ever see me in the shops, I could bore you to death with real-world information, and that's what I'm trying to share with you today. So hopefully that overviews the fluids. We're going to step into a break. Sarah and I will be back in a moment. Oh, I know. <laughs> All right, Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. we got just a little time left. Sarah, as you think about, hopefully you're not ever broke down. No. Hopefully not. <laughs> I don't ever want that to I happen. Know. Have you ever been broke down? I know you were a few years ago and, and called me early and yes. I wasn't able to like fly in with a, a, a cape and save you, but... It teaches you a lesson every time. And I know I've been broke down. This is what I do for a living. Things happen. Sometimes it's my own fault because I'm asking too much of my vehicle. I'm just going to say. But every time that happens, it teaches me a lesson. And I acquire more ability to deal with those situations out on the road instead of having to call or, you know, be stuck somewhere. So... Um, one of the things I'd really like to make sure at some point that we get you in, and I'll try and make this happen, is that anti-gravity battery. Um, that allows you to jumpstart yourself, which is super cool. I may actually have an extra one there at the office. I need to check. And then um, Stacy and I went on a road trip uh, down to Florida one year, and we had a tire going low, and I think it was like on a Saturday or Sunday. There was nobody open, and I went to like five different gas stations trying to fill up this tire. And their crappy dollar or two dollar pump at the gas station. Have you ever used one of those? You know what? I this is like a Springfield thing. Maybe I don't know. Mm-hmm. I have the hardest time whenever I have to get air. Mm-hmm. The little chuck thing is missing. Is yep. that what it's called? A chuck? Yeah. The yeah, it's chuck. always missing. Yeah. And then even if it's there, like it, it won't. It, it's just like you going into it. It doesn't yeah. blow up the tire. It lets more air out than possible than than normal. So I found me a parts store while we were down there, and I bought a 12-volt air compressor for her vehicle, good quality one, stays, it's still in there to this day, 
And uh, I've actually aired other people's tire up more than we've needed it. It's kind of like that thing, you buy it and you hope to never need it, and, and we haven't. But I've I've helped a bunch of people airing their tire up at different sporting events for my kids or whatever. And uh, so now, as the kids get older, and we've got several of them starting to drive now, they get a jump box in their car. Um, they get an air compressor in their car, and I teach them how to use it. So that'd be a great one to add to your your uh, equipment, if you will. Um, the little uh, jump box is really cool because if your car's dead and you can't call somebody, it has a USB charger on it as well that you could charge your phone and make a phone call. So it's very versatile. It's got a warning light. Um, that's something I have as I have gotten into the industry more um notice that it's a needed item that if you break down you need a flashing light to get motorists to notice you to give you some room i've changed many tires on the side of the road it is very dangerous other motorists just aren't paying attention i saw somebody doing that actually on my way to work today yeah i saw two people that were on the side of the Mm -hmm. road um, one of which I couldn't get over for yeah. because there was somebody else that was passing me at mm-hmm. the time. But the second person that I saw, he was underneath his truck. Yeah. And all I could see, because it was pitch black, yep. I was on a country farm road, and pitch black, all I could see was the tiniest little bit of light. I think it was coming from his phone. Yeah. So definitely the guy that I saw, if that was you and you're listening, yeah. get you a special flashlight because I almost didn't see you. So I don't know. We got a little bit of time. Yeah, you got time. Okay. So th- this is the so I, as you know, I said earlier, things happen in life, and I learn lessons. Um, I always carry my uh, my service or mechanics light with me, which is extremely crazy bright, and it has a strobe feature on it. And I think I've probably told you this story before, but this kind of re uh, basically you know proves that it's needed. Um, we were headed to Mount Vernon. I think that's on 170, I don't know, whatever that road is that runs between Republic and Mount Vernon. And we were headed down there. It was black. We were going to set up for the uh, the big festival they have out there. I can't remember. They got a great uh, one. Apple butter Apple, making? Yeah, hey, Apple butter making too. days. It is. So it was about this time of year. It was dark after work. And all of a sudden, I have a headlight in my lane, just one. And I'm like, what in the world's going on? You know, it's dark. And a gentleman's horses had gotten out, and a guy in a Nissan pickup had hit the horse, and it was in the road. His hood was up on his windshield, and he was, you know, I was able to avoid him. But, you know, I got out, and I had my flashlight, and I was trying to flag traffic, and they didn't pay any attention to me at all. There would have been another many accidents out there had I not flipped it over to a strobe feature, and I could see the cars notice me before they were up on the accident. And so we waited there there until the uh, first responders showed up. Thank you to all of our first responders, by the way. Very quick, very prompt. But that showed me that that flashing light is what got their attention. And so whenever somebody breaks down or I'm changing a tire, I put that light out, you know, as far behind me as I can to get people to see us and not have a roadside, you know, collision and any of you that have watched any of the, you know, there's videos out there on YouTube about it all the time. It's crazy. Even our officers out there, you know, people run into their cars and they got full lights everywhere. It's just insane. But we want to make sure, God forbid, you do break down, um, that you have that ability to signal people and not have somebody make your situation even worse. 
So uh, definitely want to put that in there, air compressor. Um, maybe a few extra fluids. You know, back in the day, a lot of people carried a ton of extra fluids, but not such a big thing anymore. And then some basic tools, a um, little bit of bottled water, maybe some uh, crackers in there. Um, that's definitely, I love the blanket idea. That's an awesome thing to have as it gets cold outside. Um, some of the response times I've noticed on some of our tow trucks are getting a little bit longer right now. And if we get a big snow event that inflames it, you know, you may have to wait a couple hours and, and, you know, nobody needs that. Yeah. So if we can prevent it, we will. Um, we want to make sure and have the toolkit. Uh, I actually carry a cordless impact in almost all of our vehicles at this point. And I, I save it for myself, obviously, is, is, is the motivation or Stacy or whoever. Um, but I've stopped and helped a ton of people. And with a cordless impact, and the price is pretty cheap. You can get a decent one for 100 bucks or so now. The battery life stays good. But it doesn't take a lot of physical force should you so have to change a tire someday. Um, you don't have to worry about the lug wrench, which is about the biggest, hardest part of that. You know, guys will run them on and over torque the lug nuts. I'm sure you've experienced that, or maybe you have. You said you changed a tire. Was it easy to get the lug nuts off? Do you remember? It was, yeah. Really? I, I did that out at uh, Ryan's family farm. Nice. Impressed a couple people. That's awesome. <laughs> I think more folks should do that. Um, you know, I've I made sure the kids can all do it. You know, hey, the jack goes here. You know, you look under a vehicle anymore, you know, it's not like it used to be. You're know, like, well, where do I put the jack at? Um, so make sure and know where that goes. Make sure you've got the jack in the vehicle. And then make sure think, it's not made of plastic. Made of plastic. Good yeah. point. Good <laughs> point. Um, if So the one I actually recommend, um, and I'm not a Harbor Freight fanboy by any means, um, but they have a cheap, I think it's like a one and a half ton. It's a small compact aluminum floor jack. It's not crazy heavy. Um, but that's the one I usually get for all the kids and keep in their cars and mine as well. Um, it's I think uh, you can use a coupon and get it for like 70 bucks at this point in time. Um, if you hear this on a podcast later and inflation has happened, uh, expect to pay more. So that's just kind of what it is. And then make sure it's all in good shape. Lights, bells, and whistles. That's the other part of it. Um, part of our vitals inspection, we want to make sure all your lights work. Um, make sure your uh, license plate lights work. A lot of our small um, municipalities will pull you over if your license plate doesn't work. So it's, it's very cheap. It's easy to check. Um, usually there's two, one on each side of the license plate. And then brake lights, turn signals, all those things, and, and the horn as well. A lot of times your horn goes bad because nobody uses it. It's a diaphragm in there that needs to move and vibrate. So I like to honk at random people with my kids as we're going down the road and wave at them. If you ever do this, you'll notice that everybody is your friend and they always wave back. And my kids are like, Dad, I'm so embarrassed. Why do you do that? <laughs> I mainly do it because it's fun and that's I like so to mess funny. with the kids. Yep. Uh, so that's just me. We could be in like a whole nother state and I'll do it. And they're like, Dad, really? Why? <laughs> but I just think it's funny. They don't. But I bet you a dollar that they'll do it to their kids when they grow up because they know how oh, they fun it is for will. me. <laughs> so I love that part of it. And, and at this point now, I don't even know that it embarrasses them because I've done it so long. Uh, but that's one of my favorite things to do. So Maybe I'll add that to my list of yep. things to do. You need to use your horn once in a while. And I'm not talking about, you know, just crazy honking it, you know, at traffic or whatever. This isn't New York, thankfully. But uh, you do need to use it. Just make sure it works. 
make sure people can hear it. Um, makes a huge, huge difference. So I hope everybody is super safe this year as we go into the seasons. We got a little snow last year, which uh, took like six years to get, which I was excited about. Other than that, you got anything else you want to bring up, talk about? No, that is it. But if you guys have anything that you want to bring up, doesn't matter how big or small, you can shoot us a text message on our text line, 447-5743, or you can send us a message at 1041KSGF on Facebook, or you can send me an email, sarah.myers at ksgf.com. Sarah is with an H, and Myers is M-Y-E-R-S. Dustin, have a good weekend. Yes, you as well. Be safe out there. Bye.